Welcome everyone to yet another Thursday Ike. Today is August 24 and we've had yet another incredible week in everything related to AI news. And we're going to give a brief introduction and then talk about the folks on stage who are co-hosts and, and uh, panelists here and experts. And we will ask you to follow Thursday Eye. That's also a speaker on stage. That's the, the main brand account that will be posting all the updates and the links and everything. And if you follow that, I think it's been to the top. There was a list of all the friends and, and experts who joined the stage from week to week and help me and you and everyone of us learn together and get updated on everything AI related. Because there's a lot and there's a lot from different areas as well. And so we're very cross-discipline here, right? We have folks from every which way and we cover AI updates from multiple disciplines. So today we're gonna cover exciting things from the field of voice and vision and open source LLMs and some updates about AI art and diffusion and we're going to update about the company LLMs. There's some exciting update there. And there's one update about agent that's not significant, but I want to just touch on. So I think this is how we'll start with voice because just personally, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. And we have just incredible news about voice this week from Meta. Just before I get started, I want to introduce Jan to the stage. Jan, welcome, dude. How are you? How was your week? Fine. How are you? How are you doing? Doing extremely well today. I want to find seamless and then that's that's yours, your field. Yes, I, I, I flew away when this happened. Meta AI has been our bestie this week. Really, big shout out to Big Zach and Jan Lekun and whole fair organization within Meta for providing for us and giving us, and most of it is open source and even some of it is commercially available. So we'll start with them and we'll start with voice. Uh, Meta has been doing incredible things in the, in the field of voice. And we've talked about previous models multiple times. They're on a mission to remove language barriers from the world, which is incidentally a mission that I share personally with Targum, that video, which I founded specifically for this purpose. And uh, just a brief reminder about Targum. Targum is a tool that uses Whisper, right? Whisper from OpenAI, OpenAI open source Whisper a year ago, maybe less than a year ago, I think less, September. And uh, Whisper is the automatic speech recognition. So you give it some speech, like what we're doing right now, and then it gives you way better text. And Yam and me, we know this very closely to our hearts. Sometimes the accent goes in a way and sometimes Siri does not understand a whisper came through with like a big breakthrough that understood accents very well and now we have a whisper competitor if not something that beats whisper from meta unfortunately not commercial and licensed yet but we have seamless m4t model from meta ai which is incredible it's really mind-blowing because just to see the progress from less than a year ago when whisper came out. <laughs> what is Seamless M4T and what does it do? Seamless M4T is a multi, multi-task, multi-model model. It's really hard to say these things, especially with an accent, that takes in voice or text and on the output, it can generate text, can generate speech, right? So those of you who use the 11 Labs AI, those of you who use the Playtop HD, there's now a model that does all of this. It can translate, right? So what I do in Targum is multiple pipelines of models, starting with Whisper that I translate to English. Um, and then I use this English and then I run this through uh, a translator, also from Meta, but don't tell them. <laughs> and uh, now we have this one model that's smaller than both of these that runs in, you can run inference on just one, just on it. And it does all of these tasks, including translation and including translated speech. This is the last part, translated speech just blew my mind, okay? Because essentially imagine me just talking with you in English, right? And imagine my mom just listening to this and it's all in Russian to her. And she knows Russian and she doesn't know English. And this is what Meta basically gave us, uh, uh, basically. And uh, I say basically because it has limitations like everything, right? So, so. Keep in mind that it definitely has limitations. However, 
you're all welcome to try this. There's a demo that they've released and you record a piece of your voice and you select a bunch of languages and then it gives you a translation to those languages in text and also a voice segment that does not sound like you, but we know it's possible. We've talked about voice cloning before. And it just says what you said in different language and happens in seconds. And to me, that's incredible. To me, this is like one huge step forward towards a world without language barriers. To me, from the technical perspective of this, the fact that it's one model and there's three sizes of this model they released. The top one, I think it beats Whisper on almost anything or comes very close to this will remains to be seen. Those tests will be happening. But this one model also generates text. It also translates text, right? The best translating model that I found, and trust me, I went on a search for this, was Facebook's NLLB. It's called No Language Left Behind. It's on Hugging Face. We have two folks from Hugging Face. I want to shout out on stage. Zenova, welcome. VB, welcome. And, and I love that Facebook shares everything on Hugging Face, and I love how easy it is to use. And the, the easiest and the best model to use for translation, the unified model, which has a bunch of languages, is NLLB, I think 2.2 billion. And that's also from Meta. And now they have this unified model that not, it, it doesn't only translate text. It understands text, understands speech, translates it, and then also generates speech. I think I, I couldn't have expected the one model to do all this. And I, yeah, I'm just blown away. So I'll pause here. Go ahead, Vivi. What's up? Nice to see you, man. Thank you. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm Bibi. I work at Hugging Face as a machine learning engineer, as well as a developer advocate in the open source audio team. And I was also, I was part of the, the sort of like the release team, which partnered with Meta to release Seamless M4T. And you can see that all the M4T artifacts are on the Hugging Face Hub, as well as we have a nice space that you can play around with. The demo that Meta released has like very few tasks that the model can do, but the space on Hugging Face Hub is feature complete and we threw in a bunch of E100s for anyone to try it out. That's the intro. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it uh, quick. And uh, one of the things that I, uh, that completely blew my mind and bit that you covered a while back was about NLLB, right? So first of all, like what, what seamless M4T does is it, it is like a multi-modal sort of translation model, right? And what it does is it takes a modality, so it could be like speech or text, it passes it through either a speech encoder or a text encoder, right? And then both of these encoders, whatever modality you pass on, like create a hidden representation in the form of units, right? So that's the unit Y model, essentially. And then what you do is you from these units are essentially discrete representations of either speech or text. and these are language agnostic, right? So then once you have these units, you then convert these back into text or speech, right? So essentially you've, you, we go from any of the supported languages. So those are hundred at this point. And so you go from any of those hundred languages to this unit. And then from these units, you then go to speech or text essentially. And this sort of reduces the burden on the model considerably. First of all, because like you're essentially like your objective function for the model is quite simple here. It's to just go to these discrete units that helps you reduce and first of all, reduce the vocabulary that you have to go to. And second of all, also reduces the overall amount of data and also the amount of compute you need to train such a model. And so this is from what I think, this is just a start of a, of a series of models, in my opinion, which would increasingly be capturing more and more languages, right? Just to connect the dots, this is from the same team or well, a, a similar team 
within the same group at Meta a while back released the massively multilingual speech models, right? Which had a coverage of, I think, upwards of 1,000 languages. Don't quote me on that because I'm not 1100, sure. 1,100, yeah. Oh, 1,100, yeah. And so, so, so this sort of builds on like that amount of data and also the all the sort of things that they learned from there. Plus, it it uses NLLB tokenizers, right? No language left behind is a really huge project within Meta just to try and democratize information and knowledge as much as possible. And uh, from what I've just pure, purely from the information available outside and like out in the wild, I I, I think they're gonna have an internal variant of seamless M4D be deployed in downstream applications like WhatsApp, Meta, Facebook, and so on in the coming one to two years, right? So this is, uh, I think it's truly revolutionary. Of course, in terms of the audio, we're not there yet. But at the same time, with 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 even their repository right now, you can randomly initialize the weights and fine-tune the entire model end-to-end on your own data set, right? And soon, like within a week or two, we'll have full end-to-end hugging face transformers integration as well. And so you can do that with that as well. So there's like lots of use cases that this unlocks. Um, last thing is that the weights that were released are CC by NC. It's meaning that they don't allow commercial um, usage as of now. And But yeah, I can pretty much say it with confidence that there are in the in in the near future you can see quite a lot of open source replications of the same architecture and pretty much everything same but with data which is permissively sourced and allows for commercial usage as well yeah would we'll end with that vivi thank you so much for joining and I definitely found you, at least on my Twitter, via, I think, was it the Whisper Fine Tune Sprint or something in the entire uh-huh. space? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was that. Yeah, and uh, so this was a while ago. And for folks who don't uh, know or participate in this, Vivi and some other folks in Hugging Face led the sprint on Hugging Face to fine tune Whisper to specific languages, right? Because there's only so much data that OpenAI collected for different languages. And there's so many languages in the world. And many folks came and just beat the state of the art by just continuing training Whisper. And I assume that the same will happen to these models as well. And we just like see an improvement from there. So just so first of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining. You're always welcome. Second of all, I I wanted to ask you before I get to Yam in just a second. I want to ask you about the data that they also released. Could you speak about the data set and the data? And you, you mentioned briefly that it's like the data is commercially viable to use. Could you speak about the data set that they also released? So in terms of data set, what they released is not the actual data, but they have released how they collected the data. So there's a bit of difference. I think they they, they use common crawl like C4 and they were like a couple more for like text as well as like for speech. I'm not too sure. Like I I, I don't remember it as well. However, like all the information to reproduce the data is available by them, right? And of course, normally not an individual, like one individual cannot really just replicate the entire data set from scratch. How, However, I know of at least one or two organizations who are actively working on rep- like replicating the entire data set. And of course, because there's a, because like meta is meta and with a big name comes like a lot of responsibility as well. So they can't really just like open source the data because it may or may not contain a lot of commercially non-permissible data as well. However, and a replication of that sort of withholds any sort of uh, implications on them, right? So that's why I I said that I, I know of at least one or two efforts which are trying to replicate the same amount of data there are also like other separate e- efforts to create corpus of the size of Whisper as well. So yeah, I I would say just like just 
keep your eyes peeled uh, towards the end of month, towards the end of September. Like lots of interesting data sets to be released. Then that's incredible. So the seamless align mind data set is a tool to recreate the data set that they've that they've collected, and other folks will will definitely pick up this mental. And and this is like an incredible way for Facebook to kind of sidestep the responsibility, still release to us the tools, and but also let open source run with it. Yeah, we had their hand up. Feel free to chime in, brother. Yeah, uh, I just want to say that uh, this is an ongoing effort. It might look like it came out of nowhere, a model that can translate and, and create speech and listen to audio, but it's an ongoing effort uh, from Meta's side uh, over the past, I think, two years, uh, both, in, both through NLB and also all the latest papers uh, on multimodality. There have been a couple of them in the past years. And it's great to see that it's coming to reality. The whole plan, the whole agenda of one model, multimodality, everything is connected. And yeah, just uh, first of all, I'm, I'm training a model right now that on a language that doesn't have a lot of data. So the translation part is, uh, is close to my heart. It's something I do fine-tuning MLLB and also a little bit of whisper because of the multimodality is something I'm handling nearly every day. Those, those type of, playing with those type of models. And it's amazing to see the NLLB is an extremely high quality model. It's really good. But this one, I didn't get a time to play with it yet, but I assume it is high quality as well. And uh, just one more thing, just as we say, I think two weeks already in a row, this is the third time multimodality in general. We know that if done correctly, it can improve models. The modalities influence each other and we see multimodal models benefit from the multimodality to both modalities over find focus models. Uh, it's not always the case. It's a challenge, an engineering challenge to get to this stage, but Meta definitely on their, on their previous paper had demonstrated that the, that the speech influenced uh, the text performance really well. And now we see the next iteration of that, where you see end-to-end you know, -end both modalities. Anyway, amazing to see. For me, it was surprising that it came out this quick after the first, after the previous paper. I think it was maybe a month and a half, or, maybe. or I'm just living in AI time and I think everything is closer than it really is, but the previous paper didn't come that long ago, for sure. Absolutely. So, and uh, it yeah. seems that there's like multiple efforts within Meta to work toward this goal. And VB, I completely agree. I think. The working towards productizing this in all of the products that Meta has, whether it's the Facebook main, the WhatsApp, Instagram threads now, I think they're working towards adding this everywhere. And I think one point to highlight here before we move on, unless folks on stage have additional stuff to say that we forgot, is that they've released two models, M4T large, which is 2.3 billion parameters, and medium, which is 1.2 billion parameters. And I haven't looked at the actual size, but I think the large one beats Whisper large. And they also released a small model called with 281 million, and they target the small model for on-device infants. And I see Zenova clapping his hands because 281 million parameters quantized by four bits is fairly possible to run on device. And if it runs on device, they probably can run on Node and Transformers.js. Yep, definitely. That's <clears throat> that's definitely one of the most most exciting parts for me, at least, for such a project like this. <clears throat> Sorry, and I've actually I've already posted it on uh, on the Optimum GitHub repo. Just to get some see what levels of interest there is, because as you may know, Transformers JS uses Onyx runtime to 
run these models in the browser. I should probably have given a little bit of an introduction <laughs> now that I remember what yeah, please do. was subjected to. So hi, everyone. Uh, Zenova here, Joshua. Um, so I'm the creator of Transformers.js, which is a JavaScript library for uh, that allows you to run huggy face transformers in the browser, as well as Node.js or Dino or whatever JavaScript environment you're, you're looking at. And I recently did, in fact, the join Hugging Face, which I'm really excited about. It's uh, quite been quite a journey already in the past, what is it, like three months, four months, being officially part of the Hugging Face team. So that's quite fun. And yeah, so anyway, getting back to the topic of discussion. For, the, for these, the seamless M4T models, the smaller ones around, I think, as you mentioned, around 280 million parameters, which 8-bit quantizes 280 megabytes. Eventually, that goes lower, but quantize we've seen is quite powerful. Somehow, it still works. You, we'd ask these questions of how on earth does a 4-bit... I've seen 2-bit quantized models, which it's it's actually well, insane how let's not get carried away here so uh, please, uh, <laughs> I, brief, know, uh, I know brief quantization for the audience uh, uh, <laughs> primer quantization is the the way to reduce the model's weight so like the file do we get to to run the model significantly while preserving or hoping to preserve kind of quality of the model right so so we literally just reduce size it's the compression but different uh, and uh, we need this to be able to download models locally on our devices and not have them hold space yeah, exactly. So with the Seamless M4T small variants of the model, around 280 megabytes, something like that can definitely run. I've ran, or the biggest one I've got is around 1 billion parameters, running that in the browser, which is, I'm surprised that somehow worked. So definitely 200 to 300 million parameters is very possible. And I think another thing that's quite beneficial is in a browser con context, at least, is the lot the many web and let's say web audio API or whatever. The browsers just give a really easy way to access those APIs which are available on your computer, as demonstrated by, for example, the Whisper Web demo, which I released a while ago, which. Uh, allows you to run Whisper directly in the browser. And now with Seamless M4, Seamless M4T, that just opens up the possibilities to everything that BB spoke about earlier, where it's it actually mind-boggling to understand how there's somehow a multidimensional space that encompasses like all languages. It, it, that's, that's wild. I don't know. I think that's amazing. That's great. Um, as well, uh, Josh, also, thanks, thanks for coming up and sharing the excitement. And uh, yeah, I'm brief uh, comment before I move on because yeah, uh, just yeah. it's not only that there is a multi-dimensional space that somehow all languages uh, are in and, and it can compress all languages is that a six a six hundred million parameters model it can even do it really well. I was blown away by how good the smaller versions. And LBR. Of course, the bigger 50, uh, 54 billion parameters model is really good. Okay, we all know. But if you try the smallest one, it's surprisingly good as well. It's just amazing to see, really. I was afraid of this. I was afraid that this one model release would take up the whole space, and hopefully it doesn't. But you guys can hopefully hear in our voices the excitement. And as we move to the next, the next segment of our updates, I just want to give a brief introduction again to some folks who just joined. You're welcome to the Thursday I space. This is a live recording, and then it turns into a news newsletter updates. That you're welcome to subscribe to if you're able to make this. You, we have a new website called thursdayi.news. Very easy to remember. And I want to thank all the hosts, who, all the co-hosts and specialists. Like VB here, who actually works on voice, audio, machine learning, and AI. And I really appreciate everyone here who chimes in. And I see some folks in the audience who I should shout out, Harrison and, and uh, 
and Sigil and Nathaniel, welcome, and Morgan from Weights and Biases. And we are joined by quite a community of folks who all want to learn together and get updates together, and ICLDJ as well. And as, as we learn together, we also share this via this podcast and, and newsletter and these spaces. And definitely follow everybody here on stage. You, your algorithm will thank you, and your Twitter will stop showing you bad stuff and will start showing you good stuff. With that, I want to move on to... If we start talking about Llama code, then we're not going to get to the other stuff. But okay, let's talk about Llama code and let's, let's try to cap this at, I don't know, five minutes and I'll stop talking. Everybody wants to go first and, and share what Llama code is and how we're excited. And I see LDJ in the audience. Please feel, to, feel free to come up, Luigi. My name is LDJ, real name Luigi. I work with the news research. We put out models that you may have heard of like Hermes. And I recently released a 70 billion parameter model called Puffin. Puffin was also the first Llama 2 third party fine tune besides the official Llama chat model, as far as I know. And so, yeah, for code Llama, hopefully we can get maybe to maybe news can also be the first ones to release a Llama code fine tune, like third party. So that would be interesting. But just looking at the human eval scores, the past one for GPT-4 is 67. For GPT-3.5, it's 48. And for Code Llama 34B, it's 48.8. And so, yeah, it slightly beats GPT-3.5 already, which is huge in, a, in, a, in, in and of itself. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. But yeah, just huge potential, fine-tuning potential. Yeah, I don't know what else to say beyond that. If anybody else wants to no, thank you. That's great. That's great. So I will just say a few, a few things to the audience who may be not as participant in the fine-tuning community, which you're such a great member of. The Llama 2 was released with commercial license, what, a month and a week ago. And Llama 2, when folks looked at the stats, they looked at the different evaluations that, that these models run through different scores. And the human evil score is a score, I think, released by OpenAI with a bunch of programming questions yeah, that exactly. they run these models yeah. on. And they accept, they expect an output. Uh, and everybody was disappointed by the poor performance for Llama on code specifically. And I distinctly remember, I think I had this tweet on this, where somebody asked Jan LeCun on threads, like, hey, why is it so sucky on code something? And Jan LeCun said, be patient. And I was like, Jan, we were patient. And now they're releasing a model that, can you say again, Does it, it beats GPT 3.5 on human eval? So, so yes, ironically, on, on OpenAI's own benchmark, it beats GPT 3.5 slightly. Yes, on pass one. So that's pass one is like the most representative of real world human use. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the most fair score. According to I, I think that's incredible. And that's what a month after they released the model. Go ahead, Mr. And then, yeah. Yeah. We got to keep in mind this has much newer data now. So I think it will be a lot more useful in that regard. The data set is somewhat new. In my case, what I'm going to do with it, with the 7B model, is just get it to run in three bits or four bit mode on my phone because I was able to get the Siri shortcuts to talk to ChatGPT code interpreter. And then I was able to just paste that code straight on the phone and run it right from my like, three-year-old iPhone 12. And it you can install a Transformers library and straight Python on it. You can make API calls. And now you have a model that can write that code much better. But that's pretty interesting. That opens up like a, a lot of use cases. Someone, uh, because you could not have internet at all, and then you could just walk around with this thing in a mine or wherever you are and, and just start troubleshooting networking or, or like troubleshooting stuff. It, it's really practical in that regard. So the fact that it is GPT-3, it, it is as good as GPT 3.5 on on code. 
is a pretty big deal. And I think with some prompt engineering where you get it to run as an agent, where you run it multiple times, I think that score would go up higher too. So I am actually quite excited. And the, for the 13B model, the, the, the benchmarks look really good. It, it doesn't lose that much points. Uh, so that I think that looks like the ideal one in terms of like performance and something that you can run on consumer hardware and uh, what you get out of it. So I hear you, Nistan, and also I want to point folks to the last episode of Thursday I and the last special episode where we interviewed folks, Nathaniel, I see in the audience, and we interviewed Ariel and Cole, folks who fine-tuned Llama 2, Platypus, and then overshot it, and then also joined the Lightning Labs and then fine-tuned the 13B model of Llama 2. I'm not talking about code. I'm going back a week, just a week. And a month after Llama 2 was released, the open source fine-tuned community joined together and got the 13B parameter model, like way smaller model, to perform almost as well as the 70B at the time of Meta released it. And it happened a month after. And so uh, what we're getting now is exciting, and, but definitely it's exciting because it's just the start. And I can't wait to see uh, all of the friends from the fine-tuned community just come together and say, you know what, Meta, thank you for releasing the start for us, but we'll, we got it from here. We got it. Uh, Yam and then Vidi. First, uh, I just want to say a couple of things in general about code. There is, this is more important than simply code per se. Of course, code is cool because we are all in this together. So everyone is using code every day. So we are all uh, excited about a coding model for sure. But there is more to it. There is a theory. It's not, not it, we don't have any proof for this theory, but there is a theory that the high performance, the high reasoning performance that we see in the most powerful models to date are due to also being trained on code, on extensive amounts of code. We know that they are trained on extensive amounts of code because they can code, but so far there is, there seems to be something that is different between uh, just powerful models and the closed models. Uh, so there is a theory going on that the, the difference is code. This theory already sparked people to try and fine tune star coder and try to fine tune coding based models to do other things and check. And as it turns out, coding models are extremely good as base models in general. So this model is extremely important for other for this type of experiment as well. And it's great to see. And one more thing I want to say about the EVAL scores. GPT-4's EVAL score is 67, I think, 60-something. I'm not in front of it. It doesn't matter. What I want to say is that GPT-4 has another capability. It can self-reflect. And when you take this in, into consideration, the EVAL score you allow it to self-reflect and correct its own code and correct bugs, it is far better. It's above 90. And it is, it, it is an achievement for sure, but it is important to take in consideration that GPT-4 in real light use in chat or as an agent is much, much, much more robust. And it's important to take this into, into consideration because as, as far as I know, there aren't any data sets that demonstrate disability. So there aren't many models, fine-tuned models that are capable of doing this themselves. There is a small hole to cover here, but it is a huge achievement for sure. Absolutely. And one last thing, one last thing, a look at the paper. Uh, the paper includes something that we talked about last week, the trend of using feedback. A uh, model is trained on its own outputs. Uh, in this paper, the, the model generates code. And then uh, they use tests to make sure that the code passed the test. If the, the code is passing the test, they use it for self-instruct to reinforce the model on future training runs. And the data set, important to say, really important to say actually, that parts of the data sets, okay, they are not released, but they are not comprised of open source data sets, uh, which is fine. And it's also understandably uh, not released. 
which means that if we further fine tune it on open data sets, the model will see new information. So this model encodes in its own uh, weight information that is not present in open data sets. So there is a lot of room for improvements and I don't know, the future is bright. <laughs> it's a really good thing that we got this model now. So what you're saying is I should fine tune the doctor on, on the coder instead. I, I, I don't say that you should or shouldn't do anything, but I say that you might want to consider if there isn't the base knowledge that you need, because I know that you, I know that you work with a model that has a lot of base knowledge that is relatable, but if, if there is not and you just need the reasoning, a coding model is a good base model. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, I, I just want to like echo what what Yam said, right? Even like internally, like I I remember when we had released Star Coder, like there were a bunch of experiments that we ran to fine tune Star Coder on instruction data set, and we found it to be like incredibly good with not as much data. Like a in general, like code. Like code models are are really good for not just code related tasks, but beyond as well. I would massively support what Yam said there, and I, I I think I just wanted to take a minute to just talk about what all have they released, right? Because that's important. So what they did was they took the foundational Llama two models, right? So seven B, thirteen B, and thirty four B models, and then they did code training on top of it on 500 billion tokens, right? And these were trained using an infilling objective function. Fill in the middle. Of right, so we're in yeah. like, yeah, so like essentially fill in the middle and, and so 500 billion tokens of that. And then they, they created three downstream models from it or three type of downstream models. The first one is a Python model, which was sorry, like a model specifically for Python, which essentially took the 500 billion token trained model, uh, fine-tuned foundational model, fine-tunes it further on 100 billion tokens of Python-specific code data. And then on top of that, does 20 billion long context fine-tuning, right? On top of it. So, and then you get essentially three code llama versions, which are 7B, 13B, and 34B. And at the same time, they just took the base code llama, which was 500 billion, which was foundation model trained for 500 billion more tokens, uh, trained with 500 billion more tokens. And then they just did like long context fine tuning on top of that. So essentially there's, so, and, and then from that, they created another segment of model, which on which they, uh, further fine-tuned it, they further instruction fine-tuned it on 5 billion tokens, right? In general, I think what my sort of bet would be is that as soon as we have better support for that, say, within Transformers and other ecosystem libraries start uh, incorporating it as well, because like in terms of architecture, I think it's pretty much the, it's pretty much the same. There are like some differences in terms of the vocab size. So it should be like quite easy for any library that supports Llama uh, models to then support code Llama models as well. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm betting like in the next week or two, we see a lot more further fine-tuned models and also like further instruction fine-tuned models popping up on open LLM leader, leaderboard and also on the big code leaderboard and beating the current code llama models. So I, I feel like we're just like start like scratching the surface of something that's going to be like truly revolutionary, and we're going to see the results within a week or two. This is so, uh, yeah. This is very consistent with what we said before about the voice models as well, right? Um, Meta releases something, it's great. It's just the start. Pharrell, you had a comment, and folks just introduced Pharrell. Pharrell is running. One of the greatest communities that I've seen of like fine tuners and everybody's there. And if you want to join, also welcome. And if you want to dive deep into this a little more, we had a full, full deep dive interview last week on Thursday. Pharrell, go ahead. 
Oh, thanks, Alex. I just wanted to ask Yam and Vibi, what is what are some good high quality coding data sets that could be used to push this model further? Also, in the in the case of Star Coder, I saw that you guys did the like very small, very short training runs with just a lot of high quality data. Can, can you maybe like give us the parallel or what's going to happen with Code Llama? Well, you, you broke up a bit there at the end. Yeah, Vibi, Yam, if you want to pick up this question briefly, and then uh, we want to move up to, to updates and LDJ as well. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to keep it very simple. We used uh, the stack, which is a permissive data set with opt-out, which is essentially like made from diff like uh, you can see the exact composition of different languages that are available in it. It is a fairly large data set that is completely permissive. And um, so we use that for the big code project. And I, from what I remember, like in terms of instruction fine tuning, we just use like the current readily available ones. I'm not too sure about that. But if you want to like further sort of fine tune the model, then I would recommend like doing it on one of the subsets of stack and just pick like something like Python or if you're like pick a language subset. And then within that, there are certain, there are a couple of columns which can help you decide whether or not you want to keep a particular code entry within the data set or not. And yeah, just play around with it and create a small data set. I think there are also scripts that, that allow you to convert your entire a collection of GitHub repositories to the dataset format as well. So you can look into that as well. And that's something that we yesterday launched as a safe coder sort of offering, wherein you can essentially bring your own datasets and you, you get essentially like a on-device or like more like a private endpoint for code-based models as well. Just to summarize, look into the stack on datasets, look into the scripts that allow you to convert current datasets into stack format. This includes deduplication as well. And third would be look into safe coder if you're interested in that. But yeah, just that. Thank you, Vibi. And also you mentioned fine-tune on specific uh, language and we actually saw kind of two models released with Code Llama. One of them is Code Llama Python, which is a language specialized variation that's trained on or further fine-tuned. They did what you basically said. <laughs> Your instructions right now, they also followed and released a, a model that like continued to, to train on 100 billion tokens of just Python code. And they're excited about this because Python is used for anything for language and, and, and PyTorch is, uh, you know, the whole community is around Python right now. And so I find it also very interesting. I haven't seen specific metrics on that version, whether or not that's better at human level or not. I just want to mention, I think something that can even have this give benefits possibly over GPT-4 even is the fact that Llama 2 is trained on data up to 2023, mostly like up to late 2022. And that alone could have a big advantage because then the base model actually has a knowledge of APIs and documentation from late 2022, sometimes even early 2023. And that's something that GPT-4 just objectively cannot have unless you give it that documentation within the context. And so just from that standpoint alone, it might just be clearly better in a lot of different use cases that people have that are with a lot more recent frameworks. Just one last thing before we move away from this topic. I don't know how... We didn't say it before, but it has to be said, 100K context window, okay? At the middle, casually at the middle of the paper. Wait, sorry. Can you say this again, please, slowly? What? I was just uh, really, really simple. The, the sentence is really simple. 100K context window. You can control F this into the paper and read for yourself, okay? At the middle of the paper, so, so wait, training so you can, you one can of the variations. One of the variations, okay. In detail, one of the variations of the models, uh, or or a couple of them, but at least one, is trained specifically for very long context windows, and then even further extrapolated with all the, the known tricks, and, uh, and they test it on 100k 
context windows and they say and show that it's extremely good. But it can respond correctly on high, very long context windows and that it benefits because source code, <laughs> you can put a full GitHub repository in a 100K context window and it makes sense when you need to respond to, you know, a lot of context about code. I think it is the longest open source model to date. And just to let everyone know. I do. Wow. Thank you for the, for this. Like one last thing. It's like Steve Jobs and saying, Hey, one last thing, iPhone. A uh, hundred for, for a couple of minutes, I had the, the hand up and I'm like, for a couple of minutes, how did we, we have I not, know. we must and not move to the next topic. We must, we must say this. I literally controlled F the blog post. Nothing says it. it's literally probably in the paper. So folks, breaking news, some alpha for you and Yam, please post this and everybody please retweet Yam as well. That's just, it's incredible. And uh, I, I guess this warrants at least a few more minutes of discussion. Listen, go ahead. I was just going to say for, for the audience, hundred K, that means you can add a hundred pages of your, that's your prompt. Yeah. yeah because a, a, a thousand tokens is about like 1200 words sometimes. It can be more or less in, in code. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it as a hundred pages of, uh, of stuff. I wonder, I wonder how much we can extend it even further, right? This context window. Can we apply further scaling to, to get it up to 200K or whatever? Well, the problem is actually running it. Okay, the model can support 100K context window, but we need the memory to actually run this thing. And it's not easy, but yeah, it's great. Somebody page Team Dittmers and, and uh, have them work their Q magic on, on this as well. So you for... can consume, yes, sir. You can consume up to one megabyte per token of context. So if you're going to run a hundred K context window, you, you might end up needing another hundred gigabytes of, of GPU memory. Just to roughly think it's not going to be that it could be a bit less or a bit more, but uh, that ballpark. So yeah, that's difficult part there. The support though is, is great and definitely changes in architectures and uh, the themes that we have in terms of running cheaper, easier, faster, definitely work towards this goal. For uh, on this topic or next one, because we want to move yeah, on. Yeah, just re one real quick thing is that they also didn't release a 70 bill, a billion parameter model, right? So imagine that this 34B beats the Llama 27B on a lot of different benchmarks. Now imagine if the 70B version of, the, of Code Llama what, how does it perform and when are they going to release that? And if they are actually going to release it at all, I don't, I'm not even sure. Yeah. So we're going to wait for that. So I, now, since we don't have a lot of time left, I do want to cap it under two hours and I did want to thank everybody for joining. I'm just going to run through incredible stuff and I apologize that I don't have a lot to say on everyone, but like definitely check out the newsletter. I'll give links to everything. Uh, I don't even have time to look up the tweets as I usually do. Somebody please pin the stuff that, uh, if you have access to them. Hagenface released an incredible new vision model called IDFix. Maybe actually, if you have two words on this, as an I would love from you guys. It's, it's a multi-modality vision model and text model that understands text and multiple language images that you can give it. And I've tried it, and you guys know that we love multimodality here. You guys know this, right? And we've talked about Neva last week, and we've talked about Lava previously. And this one is the best one that I've seen. I uploaded pictures of my kids and asked them to identify what they were, and they did that. And literally, it's really good. I'm very surprised. And Neva was really bad, and this one's really good. Vivi, uh, please, if you have a few words on this, I would love to hear. So it's essentially an open reproduction of Flamingo, right? Flamingo was this multimodal model, image text model, touted by DeepMind, uh, I think, a year or two back. I'm not sure about the exact timelines. And just for some background, this project has been like in the making for more than a year now, right? Within internally, within Hugging Face, and it's essentially a, a replication of, of Flamingo, right? Along with the, so, so the model comes in two uh, flavors. One is an 80 billion parameter model, 
and the other is a nine billion parameter model. And then there is also instruction-tuned models for the same, right? There is a hugging face space, um, which I think is linked somewhere in the pin tweets. So you can like look into that and play around with that. Along with that, we also released an image text sort of data set to, to pre-train such large models. This is a fully permissive data set. You can... Sorry, this is permissive with like opt-out. So you can like use this data set for your own training runs as well. And to further fine-tune other image text models as well. In general, in terms of benchmarks, this beats all available open source models. And, and, and I say open source specifically over here. And it has some really good capabilities of... just identifying different patterns within the images and also like just to try and create narratives from images and, and so on. There's lots more to be done here, but this is just the start and these models are like quite the, the shit, I would say. Yes, yes, this one literally blew me away. I had literally five minutes to test this. Uh, VB, you got your, your new motto is this is just the start guy. Every time you come up, you talk about something and you get us excited about like the potential of going forward. Uh, folks, please play around with the ethics. It's really good. It's really good at counting as well, which other models are really bad at. So like I saw a few things and said, hey, count the number, uh, identification as well. It's really great. And we're going to keep uh, seeing updates here. Zenova briefly, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, I also wanted to add on to that with some really, it, it's quite funny use cases of it. I, okay, I don't quite know how to pin something to the Jumbotron, as you call it. But if you could pin Julian's comment about, uh, it was him playing around with it yesterday. And some of the examples that he gave are quite, it's quite amazing that a model can distinguish and not get fooled by some of these things. If you can pull it up. So one of the little demos, he actually made a little demo hugging face space where you can play around with this and what he did is that he took a picture of himself just normally then he asked the model what do you see it's and then it responds i see a man sitting on a couch looking at the camera he's wearing glasses and has a beard the couch is located in a room with a white wall in the background amazing that's flawless so i didn't see anything wrong with that then what he does he tries to fool it and he takes a little like a stuffed toy and puts it in front of his face, and it says, then he asks the model, what do you see? Or basically, what, what does the model see? And the model responds, I see a person wearing a dog mask, which covers their entire face. The mask has a black nose and ears, and the person is wearing a brown hoodie. That's all exactly right. The person is holding a stuffed animal, which appears to be a dog. The scene says, set indoors with a white wall back. That's flawless. And it, it's quite amazing. Yeah, there we go. You can see it on the Jumbotron. I think that's such a fun... It, it, it knows that it, that there's a um like a, a stuffed animal in front of the human. Anyway, it's it's funny. But uh, when I was talking to him about this in in the uh, DMs about this, some some exciting use cases. And one of the use cases that was brought up months ago with GPT four is the collaboration with Be My Eyes, where for those unaware, it's basically it's a service but distributed as like an. Uh, mobile application which helps visually impaired people and what they do is that they as a sighted person you could sign up to the service and provide your eyes to uh, those who are visually impaired where if someone is visually impaired and has they they need assistance with something they would ping the service and someone available would then connect to via video call and then help the visually impaired person navigate a problem that they're facing. And one of the original use cases or one of the original integrations with GPT-4's multimodality was the, the collaboration with Be My Eyes and they were one of the first companies to, I think maybe only at this point, play around with and have access to it. And giving 
again, open replication of, of a, a model with very, um, quite amazing, as you've just shown, capabilities. I think is really great and has really great potential for even like open replications of of be my eye or assistance with those types of use cases, which I think is quite amazing, but I'll leave it there. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Thanks. Thanks for adding this viewpoint, Josh, because Joshua, because accessibility is very important. And these models that we get very excited about vision, and we get very excited about language, oh, sorry, vision and language and, and voice, but vision is very important as well for models to also understand. There's a great talk with, and I keep repeating this, but please go and see it. Great talk by Ilya Sotskovic, chief scientist from OpenAI, with Jensen from NVIDIA, where he talks about training GPT-4 with vision built in, actually helps GPT-4 and other models to be much, much more knowledgeable about the real world. And yeah, this kind of connects to your point from before, where like code helps, vision also helps, by the way. And now we have a great one to play around with. Go ahead, Jan, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Yeah, I just want to say exactly on that. And because this model is surprisingly good, it might be worth just taking the text decoder and trying it or further fine tuning it on its own because it might be really well. Simply because it was influenced by the, I don't know if it was tried already, but it is interesting to see like how, what influence did it have because all of you, everyone who played with this model is blown away. And I'm sure, so it has to be more than just transcribing what is the image. It has to be something a little bit more. Everyone is blown away. Okay. So there is something to this model that is different. And it, it connects to the whole multimodality thing. And just one question. Where do you get the data for? Because. Yeah. If you don't mind, we'll reserve questions for the Next okay. space, so okay. DMs. No problem. Uh, sorry, dude, yeah, yeah. we're over time and I want to give people the, the very important update that we still have. OpenAI released the fine tuning API. Did you guys see that? <laughs> I missed it. When OpenAI previously to ChatGPT, they had a GPT 3, I think. You could send them your own data and keep fine tuning GPT 3 with your own data. And they, when they released ChatGPT API, were back in, I want to say, December. And when they released GPT-4 in March, no longer fine-tunable. So you weren't able to anymore send your data into these models. And everybody told you, hey, use prompting. And I think, at this is my gut feeling, the OpenAI sees the fine-tuning world in open source getting exploded. And they talked to us about the roadmap a couple of months ago. And they said that the fine-tuning is coming. They also said vision is coming. It's coming slowly, but vision hopefully will come at some point as well. But... This week, OpenAI released the GPT-4, uh, sorry, 3.5, not 4, 3.5 ChatGPT fine-tune API. You now can use this. It's a little bit expensive because they have to run the model for you, etc. But you now can fine-tune as, as an enterprise, as a company, you can fine-tune GPT-3.5 on your tasks, on your data. And I haven't had time to play with this yet because I'm very excited about open source fine-tuning. But definitely very important for folks. Folks have been waiting for this. and I guess we'll see the results after they play with this a little bit. Moving on to AI and like moving on from this, like one thing that could have held like a full space two weeks ago, right? Just moving on from fine tune in one of the best APIs in AI in the world. Just moving on. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll do that. AI art and diffusion section. Let's go there a little quick. I want to shout out all my friends for stable diffusion. I want to send big hearts to Imad for chatting it and open sourcing stable diffusion and changing the world, at least in the, as art and diffusion models and definitely changing my life because when stable diffusion released, this was the first AI model that I ran myself and not used APIs for. And this led me to learn a little bit about open source. And this led to this whole thing. And this was a year ago. And I was just like, just if you don't mind in chat, throw out a little heart for stable diffusion if you used it. It's been a year, folks. This like crazy ride that we're on. It's been just a year. And so I want to shout out everybody in Stable Diffusion, all my friends there, all the people who like brought us incredible stuff from there. We've talked about the difference between SDXL 1.0 and Stable Diffusion 1.4 that released a year ago, which is incredible. 
we saw just an unimaginable explosion in the quality of these models and the quality of the outputs and the images that we now generate look nothing like a year ago. They look way better. Some of them are indistinguishable from reality, right? We all saw the Pope from Mid Journey. Uh, so uh, just like I, I want to put a landmark here, it's been a year and uh, the timelines are getting shorter. <laughs> it gets better quicker than before because of the open source community, because of all of you who fine-tune, because of all of us who contribute with thumbs up and thumbs down. I, I find the person incredible and celebratory space and shout out to one year of, uh, of Stable Diffusion being an open source. And hopefully the open sourcing of Stable Diffusion also helped other folks do open source. I think we, we all remember Galactica, maybe. Jan talked about this multiple times. It was a great model. And Nistan, you talked about this. And then Facebook Meta pulled it back because of the outcry, because somebody got it to do something bad. And I think after Stable Diffusion, everybody saw that the world didn't end after a model that can generate nudity is out there and everybody's using this, right? The, the journalists keep writing about, oh my God, clutching persons about, oh my God, somebody generated so much AI porn, and though like there's not a lot of porn on the internet anyway. But the amount of stuff that we did get and the amount of world not ending, I found it incredible. And putting aside the folks who started hating on the AI art and that whole love they thing, I think Stable Diffusion did an incredible thing and I want to just like comment and, and thank them for it. And it's been a, a great year for me personally connected to this, but also for everybody else. And adding on this, at the one birthday of Stable Diffusion, a new company, I think folks, ex-Googlers, released Ideogram. And I think I pinned it to the top of the tweet. And it's a new model. It's not open source, so you, but you can go and for free use it. And it's really good. It's really good for with text. I don't know if you guys seen my tweet. I asked it to generate a grumpy cat holding a joint third the eye spaces. And I did that perfectly. It was like very, very nice. It looks really good. Definitely not open source. Also, Midjourney is not open source. Everybody's still in that Discord, right? Midjourney is the biggest Discord, I think, ever. And uh, yeah, check out the diagram. Play with it. Let us know what you think. And I think with this is it. The last thing of the updates before we conclude the space is my personal shout out. Folks from Friends of the Pod, folks on my timeline recommended Cursor. And uh, my friends, Layton Space Pod, uh, Swix and, and uh, Alessio, they had the chat with the guy behind Cursor. And if you don't know what Cursor is, this uh, clone of VS Code, if you all use VS Code, right? Where you can import your VS Code with one click, which is beautiful, so you can get started today. And it has AI built in way more than Copilot. We're moving from a autocomplete to everything. There's a button there on inside your uh, console that when you have an error, you just click a button and GPT-4 starts analyzing your error. You don't have to copy paste. It all, this on its own like saves, I don't know, 17 clicks. They also have an agent built in there that can create and kickstart the repository for you, right? Like it runs, does a loop, and you can use your own token for GPT-4. So you can like literally not use their services. You can input your own token and then have your own GPT-4. It embeds your whole repo into embed. So it knows and you can like tag when you ask for things uh, in the side chat, there's a side chat. You can add files, right? So you can say add this file, add that file or add documentation. You can add documentation to the context and they have some smart stuff that chunks it. Folks, really, this is a whole new experience. I had very small time uh, for the past week to try and coding, but Cursor, shout out to Cursor. And, and the shout out came because Somebody said they pivoted away from AI agents and somebody else like chimed and said, see, AI agents don't really work. And I'm here to tell you that like at least the agents in, inside Cursor, they work very well. So I don't usually shout out stuff. I think it's beautiful to see. And with that, I think we'll conclude the updates for this Thursday I for August 24. I want to say a, a brief few things. So first of all, we have a new website, thursdayi.news. If you missed any of this, you can enjoy for the full space. A full space is always available. Recording is available. Transcription is available. If you followed half of what BB said or Yam said or Pharrell and you want to follow all of it, you want to roll back, a full transcription is always available for you as well on Thursday I. I also do like a summary podcast, but this week I'm just going to release this was beautiful and thank you everybody for coming and having an orderly discussion thank you everybody in the audience who participated um if you are not signed up to the thursday newsletter why not like why wouldn't you be signed up at this point sign up it's good trust me you'll you won't get spam you'll get amazing interviews with folks on stage and other folks 
who I am very lucky to host an interview. We're here every Thursday I to talk about all the incredible updates because there's just so much. There's so much good happening that even folks who are hyper-focus on one field, they may miss the other fields, right? And we all learn together and we all bring news together and we discuss them as they see them. And oftentimes, like today, there's breaking news like Lama Code released as I was writing kind of the, the notes for this. And uh, I find it incredible that this community comes together. Nistan, you said something in the beginning that many people, I think, missed. That you said that you need some compute and then somebody from the space joined you and then uh, told you, hey, here's some compute. And um, yeah, th there seems to be a community forming here. And I very much appreciate every one of you in this community, everyone's place, whether you're in the audience or on stage, uh, whether you're signed up to the newsletter or just listening uh, on uh, Apple News or Spotify. And with that, thank you, folks. It's been a great Thursday. I we're a little bit over, by, but I think it was important. And uh, I think we went in deep and hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you all. Cheers. Bye-bye.